Hey, welcome to The Bitter Spill. It's Dan Class. Hey, so this is a kind of a re-podcast of uh, episode number 124, Aloha Unicorn Goat Boy. It was originally put out as a premium pill and is now yours for free. Enjoy! Sponsored by The Bitter Spill Premium. If you want to know what I'm doing right now, these days, instead of uh, two, three years ago, then become a premium pill subscriber. Otherwise... Uh, stay tuned, and you can get uh, Pillbox, the first year of The Bitter Spill, for free. Uh, one show a week until they run out. Or you can get the Pillbox right now at thebitterspill.com slash premium, or slash purchase, sorry, slash purchase. Thebitterspill.com slash purchase. Uh, or you can get, I suppose, Pillbox, too, the second year of The Bitter Anyway, the point is, enjoy this episode. Number 124, Aloha, Goat Boy. A guy that needs you to know that he is better than you. A guy that needs you to know that he makes more money than you do, or at the very least makes as much money as you do. A guy that needs you to know that he is an alpha. He puts on his swim trunks and all that stuff, but he can't just get in the pool. My daddy may now make an announcement. To the bitterest pill. Oh, yeah. Hey. So, yeah. Hi. How are you? Fine. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, here we are. This is where we are now, isn't it? Isn't really this just about where we are right now? Yeah, it is. It always just seems to be. Oh, my gosh. I just remembered. Oh, my gosh. That's so weird. I just remembered that I dreamt that I finally met Adam Curry, and he was actually quite pleasant to me. Anyway, it's me, it's Dan Class, uh, you know, doing doing whatever it is that I do uh, under the flight path here at Los Angeles International Airport in my garage, staring at my uh, home, you know, my homemade sound-sucking panels. It's some sort of rigid fiberglass concoction. It's actually kind of groovy. I'm swallowing off Mike. Can you hear? See, now you know all my secrets. Now that I've told you that I'm chocolate rain and I swallow off Mike, y- you know it all. Good night. There's nothing else to discuss. There's nothing else to discuss except the last time we talked, my friend. <laughs> I was coming down off Paxil getting ready to go to Hawaii for a week. Well, not as many stories as you might expect. Now, here's part of the problem. The part of the problem is this. So, we went to Hawaii. We went to the Big Island. We went to Kona on the Big Island. I call it, you know, you know, want to know why I call it the Big Island? I, I don't know why most people call it the Big Island. I'll tell you why I call it the Big Island, because I don't know what it's called. That's why. I call it the Big Island, like my kids call, you know, my, my father's F10 Chevy, the red truck. That's why. We were on the big island of Kakaluka Minihaka. You know, I don't know what it's called. It's just the big island. We were in Kona. But my wife had to go for business. And so we, you know, it's the closest we get to any kind of vacation, really. So uh, the kids and I flew out too, and we all huddled in her little room. You know, whatever. It was very nice. 
Got to hang out with some BMW dealers. Now, here's the, here's the bad thing. The bad thing is this. When you go to what is essentially paradise on earth and you hang out with, you know, business people, uh, and in, the, in this case, mostly, well, no, all, really, BM, the owners of BMW dealerships from the western part of the United States and then a few corporate people from BMW corporate or from BMW corporate that kind of deals with, okay, the problem is this. Uh, they're all actually nice, decent people. They're all just kind of nice, you know, kind of level-headed people that really like BMWs and, you know, they're successful, but they're not, you know what I mean? And, so, and the reason that's a problem is it, I, you know, I, I don't have any story about them, really. I mean, I could try to maybe really nitpick about something, make something up, but I got to tell you, I got nothing. I got nothing. If you live in the western part of the United States and you're thinking of getting a BMW, honestly, you know what? Hey, you're you're in pretty good hands. I got I got nothing. Okay, I got nothing. Now that being said, though, we did spend seven days at the Four Seasons, Kona. I don't know what that's really called either. To me, it's the Four Seasons in Kona. Now, the Four Seasons in Kona, first of all, Kona, first of all, the big guy, you know, my my experience of all Hawaii is, and this is how, you know, uh, I don't, obviously not an expert on Hawaii. My experience in Hawaii is this, uh, the Kona Four Seasons and the uh, Maui Four Seasons. So, you know, maybe I'm not exactly the best uh, tourist guide. Honestly, I'd like to go to down and dirty old school Hawaii. I don't know if that even exists. I wanted to go to like 50s, 60s, back in time tiki bar Hawaii. I want to be like hot rod culture surf dude Hawaii. I want a real tiki cut out of wood. I even said that the last day there, we were on a souvenir, uh, you know, hunt. And I said to my wife and kids, you know what I want? I want, I want to spend $5.00. On a hand carved, it's really cruddy. I doesn't, you know, it, it needs to be just like a roadside tiki. That's what I want—a five-dollar, about three-inch tall roadside tiki. I would be so happy. Some, you know, some kid with shorts and no shoes on just sits and whittles tiki heads and sells them by the side of the road. I, I am all in. Now I say that, of course, as we're eating, you know, an expensive dinner in an expensive plaza near the condos and we find the gift shop and they have exactly what I want for $5. They have three inch. I sw- it was the weirdest thing. $5. Boom. Right on the money. Three inches. Boom. Right on the money. Uh, wooden hand carved tiki. No mass produced sort of some sort of polycarbonate hydrate. I don't know what kind of hard wood colored plastic it was. But where, whatever it was, it was made in China. And that is something I have decided. And I don't know when I decided this, but I decided this apparently at some point in my life. When I go to Hawaii, I don't want to buy a souvenir of Hawaii that's made in China. Just like if I go to China, I'm not going to buy a souvenir that's made in the USA. I got nothing against made in the USA, but that's obviously not the point of traveling all the way to China to get something made in uh, Hawaii, right? Therefore, ipso facto, 
I'm not, I'm not going to do the reverse. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, so let's back up. So we, when you arrive in Kona, when I arrive in Kona, I'm going to give you, you know, obviously this is when I arrive. When I arrive in Kona, this is what happens. And this is what I kind of dig about. Kona is kind of old school. Because see, Hawaii, when I was a kid, you know, I, I was born in California. I grew up uh, most of my life in Rochester, New York, but I was born in Southern California in uh, the, <laughs> the early 1960s. And, um, you know, my parents, my, my uh, parents met in Southern California, both their sets of parents lived in Southern California in the kind of, uh, you know, San Bernardino, uh, Los Angeles, you know, corridor there along the 10 freeway. Okay. And in the sixties, you know, Hawaii and Tiki and all that stuff was grooving. You know, people had big colored lights that they'd shine on their palm trees in front of their homes and they'd play Martin Denny uh, records on the hi-fi and, you know, all that Escavel on the radio. And it was, it was groovy, man. And and apparently I was, you know, I, I have a little of that, you know, you know, they're smoking their palm malls with the souvenir uh, ashtrays and the whole thing. Right. So you know, I'm a, I'm a little kind of 60s kitsch damaged. Now, I don't even remember the airport in Maui, but I'll tell you, when you land in Hawaii, you are in Hawaii, baby. There is no jetway in Kona. You get off the plane by leaving the plane and walking downstairs like you're the Beatles or something. You just... You know, they they disembark on both ends and you just walk down the stairs and you're in heat, heat, old school heat. And you look around and you know what you see? Lava rock. The ground is made of lava rock. The hillsides are made of lava rock. The airport is made of lava rock everything is black and porous just rocks cut and stacked on each other to make an airport to make the car rental to make everything and they really do lay lays on you you know local chickies lay lays right hey aloha everything's aloha aloha and mahalo aloha lay 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 and how brilliant is it of uh, Jason Kalkanis and the folks at uh, Mahalo, the new search engine slash whatever it is, to name their company after a word that is used all day, every day in the vacation paradise of the uh, Pacific Ocean. Good thinking, boys. Because whenever you're in Hawaii, it's all anybody ever talks about is Mahalo. You would think it went public or something while you were off the mainland. Hey, Mahalo! What, what, what? I'm still a Google boy, babies. What, 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 you know? Anyway. So the main, the main weirdness is, so you, you know, you, you arrive in Lava Land, the Lava Lounge, and you drive over to the, to the, you know, estate that is uh, the, the weird kind of mythical, completely fabricated world of the Four Seasons, which is fine. It's beautiful, gorgeous, gorgeous, and beautiful. And the people are gorgeous and beautiful. And the valets are gorgeous. Everybody's gorgeous and beautiful. Now, obviously, to stay at the Four Seasons, and I don't know how much it costs. It's one of those things, you know, high-end hotel rooms. It's not like the Hotel Six. You go to the Hotel Six, Motel Six, excuse me. 
And listen, you know what the Motel 6 is going to cost you when you're still driving on the freeway. Because it's got a sign. Motel 6 has a sign that says, guess what, baby? It's 48 bucks. That's what it is to stay here at the Motel 6. So if you don't want to pay 48 bucks, don't pull off. Just keep driving to the next exit until you see a sign that says 38 bucks or whatever it happens to be. But with slightly higher end hotels, and trust me, I'm no expert. There's the rack rate that they say is the rate. You know, it's kind of like buying a car. There's the sticker price, but then there's what you'll really end up paying. And now how you end up not paying the sticker, I know I, I never handle that, so I don't know. All I know is the rack rate is like a grand a night. Now, I'm sure people get, get the rooms for, you know, the grand room. And I'm talking about the littlest, like, I'm not talking about where the celebs stay. I'm, I'm talking about entry-level room, $1,000. So somewhere between five and $1,000, let us say, to walk in and, and hang for one night, you know. But for that, you get a, you know, this gorgeous room, gorgeous amenities, maybe even a view of the, the ocean, all the chickies at the pool. You got some restaurants around. Okay, that's not covered, obviously. This isn't a sandals. It's the Four Seasons. But what happens is you get a certain uh, clientele at a place like the Four Seasons. And that certain kind clientele, not to uh, generalize too much, but they're the kind of people that can afford uh, $600 to $1,000 a night plus food plus cocktails, plus rental car, plus gratuities, plus, plus, plus to stay somewhere. 3,000 miles at least. Odds are good from where they live. Okay? Now what that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, listen, God bless you. If, you. if you've got that kind of cash, go for it, baby. But what that does is it, it, it brings to the hotel a very specific set of people and to generalize those people um the males in those groups don't tend to necessarily be stay-at-home dads they tend to be you know like go-getter alpha male achieving earning types of guys and the spouses that marry them And the reason I say that is no one knows what to do with me, stay-at-home dad, when I am at the Four Seasons. I, I might as well be I, I, not a leper because it's not quite that reaction, but it's definitely like, wow, look, a unicorn. Now, I don't know if unicorns bite, but that is a unicorn. I don't know what is, is that a, like... Really? It's like Pan, the goat boy or something. I, I, absolutely bizarre. Now, the really weird thing was, you know, I, I've lived in L.A. now for way too long. 20 years. Uh, trust me, that's too long. But I got very used to not people not introducing themselves or talk, not acting like, basically not exercising normal social graces. And, and what I mean by that is this. You know, when you have a job or you go to high school or you do any kind of anything on a regular basis, and this has always been my feeling, you are going to start to see the same people. Because just like you have a routine, other people have routines. Everybody's got a little routine. And if your routine collides with someone else's routine, you're going to see that someone else, as your routines collide, on a routine basis. That, that, that's a pretty logical thing to say. Don't you think? I don't think I'm, you know, splitting an atom here. 
So my routine and your routine, they're going to collide. Well, for some reason, as I got older and maybe moved to different areas, I started to notice that sometimes I'm the only one acknowledging the fact that our routines are colliding on a daily basis. And I sometimes I just start to chalk it up to the unicorn goat boy factor, like no one, you know, like in preschool, no one really knew for a long time what to do with the guy dropping off the kids. Not in a suit and tie, not rushing off to the office. No, he's kind of like got a sweatshirt on and sneakers and he's just dropping off the kids and lingering and then he's back again in three hours. Well, who is it? What is going on? Okay. So I have, I have absolutely, I got to tell you, I have no expectation of recognition whatsoever, of acknowledge, like none of that. that. And that's, you know, one of the things about the Pilates bodies that has always irked me is there's always just that like, you know, we've been running into each other now for a year and a half. Can we at least give each other like the, how you doing, chin nod? Can we at least do that? Just so I don't feel like I am party to this, this complete breakdown of societal norms. Because if we see each other every day and you know me and I know you, you know, recognize, and I don't mean no, like no, no, obviously, but you recognize me. I reckon, can we at least like do the chin nod and then please... Otherwise, then we got nothing. Otherwise, then we're just zombies on a track. And I, I don't know if I can do that yet. I really don't know if I can be a zombie on a track yet. I need a chin nod from you. But see, I've, I've learned to not expect the chin nod. And any, uh, you know, hello of recognition, I, I try to take uh, graciously. And not too enthusiastically, or they'll, you know, call the police. But, you know... You got it, right? Okay. So early on in our trip, my wife ends up talking to some guy, some very alpha built, handsome, you know, guy with his sunglasses on in the hot tub and his wife and they got a little baby and whatever. Now, listen, we fly 3000 miles from Los Angeles from our little world where I, you know, I'm going to Target in Manhattan Beach with all the Pilates bodies and the, the preschool, you know, right? We, we fly 3,000 miles. First people we talk to the, from Manhattan Beach. So now, uh, great. I'm going to spend the next six, seven days poolside with the same Pilates bodies that I left at Target. Great. Well, he's chatting my wife up because he hears that she's there with the BMW people. And he works for some car thing. I don't know, a magazine or a TV channel. I don't know what it is. But suddenly she's a very interesting woman. Suddenly she's a very interesting woman to get to know and introduce himself to. And hi, how are you doing? And the wife even has a couple words for her, but not for Danny. You know why? Because Danny's the unicorn uh, uh, pan goat boy. A guy with skinny biceps and a gut and and no head like obviously you're not alpha out baby we don't know if you're the manny you maybe you're even an illegal we don't know what your story is but we have no need to discuss this with you thank you now the wife had no words then for anybody for the rest of the week i saw her every day every day now i'll give her this she looks great in a bathing suit well done. Well done. You got to be 35, 40, 30, what, what, 35, 
in that bikini, like a nice green kind of camo, camo bikini with a little army hat. You know what I mean? Short hair, little army hat and ink. Now, that's something I didn't know. I didn't know the, that the Pilates bodies in Manhattan beaches had ink. Like, not serious ink. I mean, I've seen like a little butterfly, you know, a tattoo. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen the little ankle tattoo, little butterfly, little farfalla on the ankle, you know, or the wrist, maybe a little something right, you know, peeking out of the back of the jeans. This girl had ink from her shoulder blades to her butt. Mm. Although I have to ask you something. And it, this didn't even dawn on me until my wife said something. And then, and now I can't get it out of my head. When, when we're, um, uh, you, you know, at war, isn't that kind of distasteful to you in any way to see people wearing camouflage? Have we discussed this? Did my wife mention this to you? Doesn't it seem a bit, how shall I say, flippant? To be wearing camouflage in any way, shape, or form while, while there are people actually in an actual war. Actual Americans over there actually wearing actual camouflage and actually getting their asses shot off. Do you really think we should be prancing around uh, a Target and Home Depot with our camo on? That's one way to I support the troops by wearing fashion camouflage. From Isaac Mizrahi. But you know me, I've been reading all my, my uh, Get Rich Slowly books. I'm back. I'm back. I'm still in it. I'm going to publish. I'm gonna, I think, uh, you know, listen, are you going to read these with me? Are you going to read uh, P.T. Barnum? Because I, I got news for you. You're not getting any younger. And you're not getting any more financially secure. You've been living like a teenager at your age. It's really, it's sad. You think the company you work for, you think they're going to foot the bill for you for the rest of your life? They're not. Okay, we got to we gotta get it together here, kids. You can read these books with me. But I've been reading my Get Rich Slowly books. And many of them talk about, you know, not falling, and we've talked about this, not falling into the trap of uh, creating the illusion of, uh, you know, money, right? Because listen, when, when my cousin Ronnie was growing up in Westport, he knew people from with real money. Like he'd go to these little dead balls for chickies whose last names were like DuPont, Hershey, Lily. You see where I'm going with that? That's money. When your name is printed on prescription drugs or paint cans or uh, syrup bottles, okay, that's cash. You happen to have a two-bedroom, you know? You have a two-bedroom in Manhattan Beach. That That's, please. But there's something very telling about, and, and maybe it's because I'm such a beta. <laughs> I really just feel like, you know, like a beta. See, the alpha needs to look the part. They need to drive the car and have the hair cut and the watch and the, the pants, the thing with the, and the hobby, the physical hobbies and all that stuff. Uh, you know, hey, whatever. That's cool. I, listen, I'm going to boogie board all summer. I'm with you, my brother. But here's the difference. See, I don't need you to know all the time that I, uh, my level of financial uh, status. I just don't. If I had the money, I wouldn't feel any differently than I do now that I'm uh, absolutely pretty much broke. Okay? But alpha guys uh, that live in Manhattan Beach and have hot little bikini camo wives, they really need that. 
right? You know, people that really need that. They really need you to know where they got their shirts on. And here's the difference between me and them. When I go swimming, I put on my swim trunks. Now I'm worried about getting sunburn and being, uh, you know, a little uh, flabby. Because I used to be, like when I was in high school, I was thin. You know, really thin. Like a buck 20, buck 40, thin, ripped, abs, because I had no, you know what I mean? And if you were ever that way, now granted I had sticks for arms and sticks for legs, but you know, I was thin. So when you get to, you know, this middle age and you are not. You know, you, you can get a little self-conscious about this. So I wear a, a shirt, one of those, um, you know, I'm a cool guy swimming shirts. You know, we talked about that before, the stretchy things, right? Okay. But basically I wear normal swimwear, what I would consider normal swimwear. I trunk and one of those shirts and I get in the pool and I swim around. Sometimes I leave my glasses on if I don't think I'm going to go underwater so I can see the girls and see my kids. You know what I mean? Maybe I wear my hat. Maybe I wear goggles because... My kids and I like to go underwater and make faces at each other and wrestle around and, you know, all that. A guy that needs you to know that he is better than you. A guy that needs you to know that he makes more money than you do. or At the very least, makes as much money as you do. A guy that needs you to know that he is an alpha. He puts on his swim trunks and all that stuff, but he can't just get in the pool. Because then it's just two guys in a pool with swim trunks on. And nobody really can tell at a glance if your swim trunks are worth $5 or $500. So you know what he has to do? He has to wear his dive watch. You got to wear that diving watch in the pool. Got to wear it. Why? Because I've got a diving watch. Look at me. My God, please. Someone recognize the fact that I paid $1,000 for this timepiece. I am so stinking cool. I can spend a grand on a timepiece and wear it around in the pool just to get... Does anyone need to know what time it is right now? Because I'm in the hot tub with my watch on and it's worth a lot of money. Anyone need to know the time? Now listen, jackass. I don't... I, you know, I have no problem with you having to dive watch. Especially if you actually... Shall I say this? Dive? Sure. That makes sense to me. You might be underwater. You might be hundreds of feet underwater and need to know what time it is. You might need to know, hey, guess what? I got five minutes left on this tank and it's going to take me about five minutes to get from here to the air. So uh, maybe we should get going like that. I have Hey, listen, I got no problem with that. But don't you think you're a little silly wearing it in the pool? We're surrounded by the staff of the Four Seasons. I, I, I'm pretty sure any of them could tell you the time at any time. But it's, see, we all know that you're wearing it to, so we know you have it. You're really, you're really not embarrassed by that at all. You really don't see how that's, right? You don't, you don't really, you don't, you, that is not, you really, you don't see through that. It's just me. I'm the, I'm the only one going, the emperor is naked. Attention townspeople. Now, the reason I brought up the social circles thing is, so one day, we're at the pool. You know, me and the kids, Manny, Manny and the kids. And this woman, I forget if she was sitting near us or she was walking by, but this woman that I do not know says to me, hey, I think you're staying in the room next to ours. 
Now, I've never seen this woman, I don't think. And I'm, I, you know what I mean? I am always the one that recognizes everyone. I am always the one that goes around going, wow, you know, everyone else may know, must know millions of people because they can never seem to remember anyone. And I must only know about seven people because I seem to remember, you know, unless I'm in a huge thing where everybody knows, like, and if I'm in a podcasting event and everyone thinks they know me and I don't know anybody, that's different. But I mean, like going through normal, like go to a dinner party, go to a party, go to a function like this. You know what? Uh, I always feel like I remember at least on a minor level, everyone. But there, you know, people that don't know anyone, right? Oh, they, they, they just go through. Oh, I don't So this woman says to me, hey, I think we're staying next. Really? Yeah, we're in 1101. Oh, yeah, we're in 1102 or whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, well, my son. Oh, my son. You may have seen my son this morning. He started yelling, there's a man outside the door. Oh, yeah, that was me. Some, some little boy trotting around on the grass. He sees me trying to check my email to no avail. Thank you, Edge Network. Mommy, there's a man outside. Well, it, it, it was me. Well, this very lovely, beautiful, intelligent woman kind of strikes up a conversation with us and then it goes on her merry way. As if, and this is going to sound strange, as if a normal person. Clearly not from Los Angeles's South Bay. Clue number one. She said, hi. She, she basically came up to us and said, hi, our circles are going to clash. And I recognize that, and I bet you will any moment. So I might as well just tell you, our circles are, you know, we're going to see each other for next week. Hi, how you doing? To which I respond, hey, fine, how are you? Holy cow. Holy cow. Maybe I'm not insane. Maybe I am completely sane, and she's completely sane, and it's just everyone else. Maybe my greatest hope is actually the truth, and it's not me that's nuts. So we see her the next day and we get to know her son and we, you know, hey, how you doing? So about the third day, we end up kind of sitting near each other by pure happenstance and her son is in the pool and he's got a floaty thing on. Well, the kids start playing together and I'm in the pool with my kids because, you know, Princess Troopers, she's not a swimmer swimmer. She can swim for a couple feet, but she can't then breathe. And that becomes a problem when, you know, she needs to breathe. So the kids and I are all playing and this woman, um, you know, she, she, she's like, Hey, this is great. The kids are playing and she's got a little baby. She has to go check on. And I, I guess her, I don't know where her husband is. He's around, but he's busy and they may or may not have an, aunt. I don't know what's going on. So at one point she had to do, she had to go get the baby. I don't, I don't know what it was. Like, Can you watch my son? I'm just going to run over to the thing. Can you keep an eye on my son? Yes, of course. Hey, listen, obviously I've got skills. He's in the pool. He's with us. We're not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He's got a floaty thing on it, so he's not going to drown or anything. Do what you got to do. I, it's no skin off my, uh, you know, whatever, my my dive watch. Um, have at it, honey. You know what I mean? And I really like this woman. She's really nice. Right? We're kind of like having this friendly relationship, right? So the kids all decide they want to go into the hot tub. So we all go over there and she comes back, her husband, then her husband is there and her husband's like, Hey, yeah, let's go over there. Where's our son? Oh, he's with, he's over here with these people. 
and the husband just blanches. He You know what I mean? Just complete like mental shutdown. And he's following his wife, but he's looking at me like, we're leaving our son with this guy, the bald guy, mystery man, the unicorn goat boy. But again, why is a full-grown man, middle-aged man, clearly not brain-damaged man, why is he spending that much time with children? There must be something wrong with him. There must be something wrong with the bald guy with the black plastic glasses that he would actually be hanging. He's in Kona. He's at the Four Seasons. Shouldn't he be playing golf or tennis? Shouldn't he be schmoozing somewhere with someone important wearing a dive watch or a tennis outfit or something? Why the hell is this man? There's got to be something wrong with him. Well, she introduces me to the husband and he's in that, you know, I got to tell you something. There are certain guys that I dig and certain guys that uh, I'm never going to dig. You know what I mean? And this was clearly a situation where I really dug the wife and he and I were never going to be, you know, in a foursome together, uh, you know, tennis wise. I'm sure... I'm sure he's a fine husband. I'm sure he makes a lot of bread, man. But you know what? He and I, were not going to hang. Oh, we're going over to the see the feeding of the stingrays. And yeah, we are. You should go over there. Wow. But my kids, they, they decided they didn't want to go. So when he came back, he told us about it. You know what? I, I never spoke to the woman again. Hi, how you doing? Pretty much it. Now, it could be coincidence. But I think hubby put a kibosh on what was a very normal, natural, non-upper-middle-class, platonic friendship. And I don't even mean friendship like we were bonding or anything. It was just like, I mean, it was like, you know, level one of ten in just normal adult interaction. But I gotta, I mean, and granted, it could be coincidence that just we just happen to never sit near each other again, we, we, our comings and goings or whatever, but our rooms were next to each other. I mean, I saw him plenty. I saw him more than I saw her. I don't know, maybe he uh, knocked her out and tied her up in the bedroom. I have no idea. But boy, a nanny showed up. Suddenly there was a nanny around quite a bit. I never saw her again. Not to speak to. Bizarre, man. Really bizarre. But there's this thing in general, even for females, in certain parts of society. And I used to assume that it was only among the really, you know, very rich. And then you start to think, well, this is probably just the people that want to believe that they're in the upper middle class. And then, then I start to worry that, Hey, I think it's everybody. And it's, and it's this because we are criminally consumeristic in this country. We've developed this situation where typically both parents work. 
And, and that's partly to consume and partly to feel like you're really making it. You know, you're really you're in America and you're consuming and you're making good bread and you're buying imported cars and you're right. And you're undervaluing the concept of actually raising your own children. And so there's now just kind of this underlying assumption that if you're watching your own kids, what the hell is wrong with you? And that extends, like I say, beyond the male thing and beyond the everyday thing. First of all, um, like there was this one, uh, there was this one couple there that I thought, and they had their kids, and then I thought, wow, that's really cool that I guess the sister came too. The wife's sister must be here, kind of hanging out. Well, this is fun. You know, the husband's in meetings all day or doing whatever, doing golfing or tennising. I don't know what, you know, the guys, they, you know, they've got male, macho, sweaty things to do. So that's so cool that the sisters kind of hang out all day together with the kids and they swim and they have little snacks and they sun and they chat and blah, blah, blah. Hey, that, that's really cool. That's really, now that's family. See, that's cool. You're at the Four Seasons hanging out with your sister. It wasn't a sister. You jackass. That was the great anomaly of the Caucasian nanny. Yes, the 20-something Caucasian nanny. Maybe it's an anomaly of the East Coast. I have no idea. I've never seen, honestly, a Caucasian nanny before being a Los Angelino. Apparently, they do exist. That there are, you know, English as a first language, Caucasian, apparently college-educated nannies. Who, who knew? But what I'm talking to, to our friends... Uh, who were there, a co-worker of my wife. And, you know, oh, there's a dinner tonight or there's a thing tonight. There's something going on tonight. Hey, V, the the wife of this couple. Hey, V, are you going to be there? Are you guys going to get a sitter for your baby? Because they had their baby, their one-year-old kid. Baby toddler. Little baby toddler. Are you going to get somebody for your baby? And they're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Well, it was causing her real stress, legitimate stress, the idea that that she wanted to stay in with the baby. And apparently the people around her could not understand why she felt uncomfortable hiring a complete and utter stranger to spend the evening with her toddler baby. Now, maybe I'm a tight, tight, tight human sphincter, but to me, that sounded perfectly normal. Hey, V, why would you be comfortable hiring a perfect stranger to hang out? And she's like, I know, I know, but everyone keeps saying that I should just get a sitter, that I should come out, I should come out, and I should just get a sitter, and why am I going to be a sitter? Now, so what is it? What is it? What is it? And I said to her, V, this is more about them than about you. They're not saying they're not saying you should come out with us because they don't think you should stay with your baby. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's they are saying that to you because they didn't stay with their baby. That would be my guess. Because a lot of times when people say things to you about the way you're doing something, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with justifying them. 
But I also see I'm I'm pretty secure in in the decisions that I've made uh, about raising the kids. They've not been easy necessarily being home with the kids as much as I've been. I got to tell you, it, it, it took its toll. It's taking its toll. In about uh, half an hour, it's going to start taking its toll again because I got to go get Princess Trooper from preschool. But this whole di- this whole idea that uh, that adult educated well-financed adults would try to pressure one of their own to not watch, not be with, not spend time with their own child. What does that say about what I assume is a growing section of our population that is completely devalued Spending time with your own children. Now, maybe there's a different thing. Maybe they feel like they spend time with the kids. But, you know, you don't spend that much time with your kid. You work. You work. I know a lot of people that, you know, he works, she works. They get home. The nanny has been there. The nanny has fed the kids. The nanny has bathed the kids. And then the kids go to bed. Then the mom and dad sit there in silence eating, you know, their takeout food or whatever they do. And those are the same people that are encouraging you to hire a nanny that you've never met to watch your toddler baby. And man, you know what? I can't swing with that. And yeah, you got to get out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you know what? If tonight's your night to get out, then get out. Get out. Go. Go see a movie. Go tie one on. Go do what you got to do. Leave the baby at home with the babysitter and go to the Motel 6. And guess what? For 48 bucks, you can spend the night. Do it. Do it with your spouse. That I get. If you as a parent need it, do it. Absolutely. Do it. Run. Go. 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 But if you as a parent say you don't want to do it, then who the hell is anyone else to go? No, you should come out with us and drink alcohol. You should come out with us because we're all going to be kind of just standing around drinking until we yell at each other. Okay, I don't get it. Do you understand? I don't get it. To some people, children are a a mile marker, a trophy, something to pose with a month before Christmas for the cards. A photograph to put on your desk at the office so the other guys know that you two are a family man and can be trusted to run the company. But what's really going on at home? What is it to you to be a parent? Is it to foot the bill? Or is it to really be there? Because no matter what you decide, you are the example that is being set. If my kids need anything, I want to be there. I don't want it to be a hassle because I'd rather be with the grown-ups or I'd rather be surfing or I'd rather be playing tennis or whatever. Like, listen, my kids are nine and five and it's not going to last. And maybe it's different. Maybe my kids are older than those kids or younger than those kids. Maybe it's different when your kids are so, so much younger and so, so much older. You know, maybe I'm right in the thick of it right now where I can't imagine not being in the pool. I can't imagine not being underwater looking up at my daughter with her cheeks full of air 
waving at me. Learning to swim, working to swim. To listen to this guy talk about all the time he spent to find where he could rent a surfboard for $200 for four hours. You know where I spent my, I spent my time in the pool with my kids, the greatest people that I know, the funniest people that I know, the most beautiful people that I know. The last time we were at that hotel, my son could kind of swim. Yeah, he could, he could kind of swim, but there's this place called King's Pond. Now, King's Pond, you would think, would be paradise for Hudson. See, Hudson's an animal lover, loves animals. Land animals, sea animals, extinct animals. He, he's not that partial. Uh, impartial. He's not, he is impartial. Hello? Whatever. You know what I mean. He loves them all. Except for the insect family. And even that, I think you could probably, you know. But, but really, he's an animal guy. Well, this King's Pond is essentially a gigantic tropical fish tank. It's a, you know, it's a pond. It's, you know, it's a thing. But there's fish in there like you've not seen. Fish upon fish upon fish. Stingrays, eagle rays, orange tangs, this thing, that thing. There's a chart. It's, it's a massive. But Hudson didn't want to go in last time. He didn't want to get in that water. He, he eventually got on top of the water on a little floating thing for two seconds, and that was it. But this time, he was all in. All in. Mask, snorkel, flippers, camera. Come on, Dad. Let's go over here. Let's go over to the little island dock thingy. Let's go. Let's see where this wire goes. Look, there's a pipe. Look, here come the eagle rays. Those things freak me out. I'm never going to have that day again. That, that day is gone. The day is gone. He's never going to be on the brink of nine again. He's never gonna, it's never going to be his first time in King's Pond again. It's never going to be like that ever again. So the idea that he would be doing that and I would be elsewhere doing something more grown up, quote unquote. And maybe it's because I don't want to grow up. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe some people are in this gigantic hurry to be adults and wear dive watches and get tattoos and wear bikinis with camo. You know, I don't know. To me, I'm, I, I want, I'm living my life. This is my goal. I want to live my life three times. And, I, and it seems like if you have the right attitude, this is exactly what happens. If you allow yourself. You live your life the first time. From your birth until the birth of your first child. And then you live your second life, which is your life as an adult, as your child grows up. 
So in a way, I'm not living through my children. I never want to do that. I never want to be the guy that's upset because I coached my son to be a great basketball player and he decided he wanted to be a, a gymnast. You know what I mean? I, that's not, no way. Kids need to be who they are. But, okay, I don't want to live my life through my kids, but I do want to relive my life with my kids. Man, I used to love to snorkel with Cousin Ronnie. You know, we'd go and visit Ronnie and Chris when they lived in Westport, and we'd go snorkel in the sound. And we'd see lobster and starfish and jellyfish and barnacles would rip the skin right off our bodies, and we didn't care. And maybe it's because I don't want to grow up that I want to not grow up, that I want to relive my childhood again with Hudson and with Trooper. So I think that's your second chance is you get to go through all that, see all that again from slightly above it as the adult this time. But still kind of, you know, hand in hand until it's not really appropriate to go and do the things hand in hand. But still, it's it's life number two. And then that ends when your children have their kids. And then the third one begins. But I want to live those lives. I don't want to miss those lives. I mean, there are things that I feel like I've missed in this life that I, like, uh, you know. I don't want to miss snorkeling in King's Pond. No way. Not to be golfing. And I'm not going to sweat whether I've got my dive watch on. I'm more worried about if my kids are having fun in the hot tub. And I fear, in a way, for the future. Because, listen, what what are kids, you know, where are you going with this nanny thing? Where, where are you going with that? With not spending any time at all with your kid? Like, where are you, where, where do you see this netting out? What relationship are then your kids going to have with their kids? Where are we going as a society? What are we building? What are we doing here? Is that that's really the best we can do? An entire nation of brats with a Z? I'm digging on family. Sorry. Now, while we were there, though, I did reintroduce myself to the concept of uh, alcohol as a social lubricant. <laughs> now, I try to stay away from, uh, you know, I don't, I don't drink that much. I'm not good at stopping. That, that's really the main thing. I'm very good at drinking, not very good at stopping. So I tend to uh, minimize my intake of libations. That, that and, you know, blood sugar wise and just trying to stay awake wise. You know, it's very hard to work into my schedule. But, you know, when on the island do as uh, the on the islanders uh, do, or at least uh, the vacationing, uh, you know, mainlanders. So, uh, yeah, we went to this we went to this one dealer uh, dinner thing and I had some cocktail 
some fruit. I wanted something that looked like I was on the island. You know what I mean? You're going to travel all that way. Darn it. Bring me a drink with a piece of pineapple hanging from the glass right now. Now, what was it? It was uh, like a, it was some normal, but, but a Hawaiian version. It was a cosmopolitan, I think. And the, the thing that I always forget about those kind of drinks is um, it's not really one drink. You know, if you have a glass of wine, that's one glass of wine. If you have a beer, that's one beer. But when you're at the big wrap-up dinner on the last night, and you've had a couple successful drinking nights, and you go ahead and have the rum, whatever the heck it is, that, that's not one drink, that's four. Gotta do this for you. And that one glass, that's three or four drinks. They just mix it so it tastes like candy. I was at dinner with the family one night. I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a little something. You know, I'm going to have a little something. I'm going to have a little. So I look at the menu and, you know, all the drinks are $80,000. I mean, you really, you got to, you know, take a second mortgage out. But I'm like, well, uh, you know, okay, this is this you know, it's probably the last drink I'm going to pay for for a year. So, okay, I'll have the, uh, I'm trying to find something with no rum. Not a big rum fan. What's got, okay, uh, bring me the donkey punch. So I ordered this thing called the donkey punch and I don't even remember. It had vodka and there was some pineapple. I'm big on pineapple all of a sudden. So there had pineapple in it. Okay. Okay, fine. Well, I think part of the reason it's called donkey punch is first and foremost, do you know what donkeys drink out of? They drink out of, you know, probably a trough. Well, they brought the, the drink to me in a glass that was essentially the size of a trough. They brought it to the table and the rest of the family had to scoot their chairs back. If you were to take a, th a phonograph album, a record, a vinyl, 33 and a third, and place it on top of the drinking vessel, it would fall in. Now, maybe I'm exaggerating slightly because I had too much to drink that night. Because what happens is that sort of thing shows up the table and then your spouse, or your kids or someone goes, ah, you're never going to finish that. Oh, my gosh. Well, guess what? I'm finishing it. It became the, you know, the 18 pound T-bone that they slap on your plate, right? You got to you got to finish it. So the last night we're there. You know, they're, they've, they've got trays of drinks. Yeah, I'll have one of those. Completely forget. See, because I'd had the donkey punch and made it out okay. You know what I mean? I had a five-gallon drum of vodka and donkey juice or whatever the heck, pineapple. I don't know what that was. So I'm feeling a little confident now on the last night when they bring around just a little tumbler, normal-looking tumbler of something. Completely forgetting that, you know, volume and content are not necessarily the same. Well, by the time we sat down, I only had two of these stupid things, but I'm literally like, hey, hey, oh, no, I'm sitting here with all of like the the like young, cool Southern California dealers and the head of advertising for corporate. Oh, oh and I'm really having trouble keeping my thoughts together. I hope I'm not sounding like a drunken idiot and I'm just sounding like a normal sober idiot. But it was a great night because I'm sitting there and I'm kind of buzzed and we're eating all this food. And one of the guys at the table is a surgeon. 
And you know those rumors you hear about people putting things in places that they shouldn't put them and then having trouble retrieving those items? Are you following along? Apparently, that is really, 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 really disturbingly common. RFO, retained foreign object. Retained foreign, ob who is, who is putting foreign objects in there to the point of retention? Shouldn't you have a guide wire, a rope, some sort of, I mean, that's why they put soap on, you know, learn from the rope. Oh yeah, screwdrivers, PVC piping. A bottle from a 40 ounce, a 40 ounce. Have you ever seen a 40 ounce? It's like the size of a coffee can. And how, why are you inserting that to the point where you can no longer retrieve it? Apparently in every hospital in the country, there's uh, like each doctor has a collection of x-rays. A collection of RFO x-rays. Wouldn't you love? That's the coffee table book that I want. Don't give, don't give me the, you know, the Richard uh, Amadon uh, photos. Don't give me the, you know, the history of uh, the Beatles or the watch or whatever it is. I want a big coffee table book of x-rays from retained foreign objects. Okay, that's it. Oh yes, that's it. Th thanks for downloading. Thanks for uh, you know. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a patron of this, whatever this is. Wow, do you hear? Can you hear that? Sounds like a helicopter is going to land on my roof. Oh gosh, what have I done now? All right, uh, thebitterspill.com, pilladanclass.com, as always. Uh, yeah, that is really eerie. How close that helicopter is. Someone must be evading police capture in my neighborhood. That's always relaxing, you know, when someone has decided to run from the police through your neighborhood. Uh, the thrills of living in the big city. Okay, that's that. Uh, I'm back. I'm off the Paxil. It's been a little dicey. It was a little touch and go. I had several days of angry, angry, nonstop monologue in my head, but, but I'm back. And it's not for anything serious, so please stop guessing. Seriously, it's not anxiety. It's not chronic mal. It's not, you know, it's not, it's nothing. It's nothing. That's the problem. That That's, that's why, that's just why I won't tell you because it's so, st not stupid. It's just, you know, it's just stop. It's not, it's nothing. So stop it. You'll see. When I tell you, you'll go, oh my God, you are so lame. Anyway. All right. Enough. Stop. Hit the stop button, Danny. Okay.
The Dorse Pill is produced by Jacket Media. JacketMedia.com, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. The producers of The Bitterest Pill present Animal Rescue Force Friends, a show with three key elements, a boy, the animal kingdom, and a greedy poacher. See traps being set, geese running only on courage and bravery, a man with heart and soul made of steel, and most of all, the team of a lifetime. Join the fun at ARFF.TV. Thank you for listening to this free podcast from The Bitterest Pill. If you would like to hear more, go to thebitterestpill.com. There you can purchase Pillbox and Pillbox 2, the complete first and second year of The Bitterest Pill Premium. Or you can become a Premium Pill subscriber and get the shows as they are released, instead of waiting for three years to get them free. Seriously. How can you be that patient? This podcast has been sponsored by The Bitterest Pill Premium, now only $2.99 a month. Pretty cheap, right? Thank you for listening.